It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 807, 33 degrees outside. It just hasn't moved a bit since I came in this morning at 6 o'clock, but 33 degrees going up into the mid to lower 50s this afternoon. Should be relatively nice compared to this morning. All right, your full weekend forecast will be here in about 10 minutes. Right now, we got somebody who finally has an avocado tip that thinks he might work, thinks it might work. Tom, hey, good morning. Hello. Hey, Tom, good morning. Good morning, sir. Let me tell you, before I start this, this is an actual true story, as retarded as it's going to sound. Well, we can only use actual true <laughs> stories on the air, so if this was a lie, then I'd have to turn okay. you off. Uh, 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 you know, silly story. I had an avocado tree in Florida, had a house. You there? Yeah. I had a house that had a tree in the backyard, probably 25 foot tall, never had any fruit. Had a fella come over to the house one day and discussing it. I said, I'm fixing to cut that thing down. It doesn't do anything, but you know, there's no fruit. He said, well, you have to scare the plant. <laughs> and I said, how do you scare the plant? He said, take a two by four and beat on the limbs of that thing. Right. And then drive, drive nails around the base of it. Right. And it'll bear fruit. So needless to say, I went, waited till dark and went out and did that because I didn't want my neighbors to think I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and the ne- very next year, we had enough avocados that we ate them three meals a day and supplied the whole neighborhood with it was just covered up so beating or terrifying than avocado tree it makes them bare avocados yeah i read somewhere this is a long time ago tom and frankly i've never been able to verify this particular paragraph that stuck in my head but i was reading somewhere that said that in, in orchards in the Middle Ages in Europe, monks who mostly took care of these big orchards would go out with a small piece of wood, a little rod, and would beat their apple, their pear, their other types of trees there a specified number of times every spring to accomplish exactly what you're talking about. They would damage the tissue just enough so that the apple or peach or whatever would say, oh man, oh man, i got to reproduce right now. I'm about to die from all this damage. I don't know if that's true. That may be a completely apocryphal story, but you're not the first person, maybe, that's thought about beating a tree to make it fruit. Yeah. It, it were, I didn't know if it was the beating on the tree or putting the uh, driving the nails around the base <laughs> of it that gave it iron or something. I don't, sure. I don't know. But I, all I know is the next year we were covered up. On a, on a completely different subject, I've had people who have uh, vines, wisteria, wisteria vine, that just would not bloom. It seemed to be mature, it seemed to be ready, but would not put flowers on. And so this gardener took a shovel and went out about a foot and a half from the base of the wisteria vine and just shoved it in the ground 10 inches deep, severed a bunch of roots around the wisteria, and he said next year it was enormous, covered with flowers and everything. And it's just the cutting off of resources somehow that triggered the bloom cycle to get started on the wisteria. Interesting. Well, if somebody ever gets one, grows one at home up to 20 feet tall like Tom's, and they want to beat on it, sure, call me. Let me know. We'll hear more about how to make an avocado bear. But the wintertime temperatures mostly are going to be the thing that keeps it from bearing. They just get frozen. Tom, i got to go, but thanks for the tip. If anybody wants to beat an avocado, let me know. Mark is in Watkinsville. You're on News Talk WSB. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Hey, man, how can I help? 
got a sassafras tree that's growing up beside one of our barns. Yeah. It has a root that's putting shoots off of it. Is it feasible to uh, root those shoots? I will only give you an answer if you will call me in two months and let me know, three months maybe, and let me know what happens. Do you promise you'll call me? Yeah. All right. I have transplanted one, two, three, about eight sassafras trees. Uh-huh. How many of them have lived for me? Zero have lived for me. And uh-huh. I thought that I was doing everything right, Mark. I was getting little ones a foot tall. I was getting lots of root system with them. I thought, this is what the man on the radio does. He transplants successfully eight times down, and I'm still not got a sassafras tree. Okay. So try it and see. There's and, no danger in damaging the tree that's there? No, no, I don't think so at all. Because it's in a very harsh environment mm-hmm. beside that barn. And tree probably 50 years old. And it's happy because you get all the sort of manure and dust and stuff coming out of the barn that gives it a little well, fertility in the it's, soil. It's not a, it's, it's at a, re, we're using it as a retail. I have always used it as like a feed storage yeah, area. Sure. There's no nutrients there. It's just old hard clay surrounded uh, by driveway. Or right. We did put a little field rock wall around it and, and put just a little soil. You know, when well, all I can say is cut off that little sprout that you have on the root of the tree, okay. transplant it, give me a call in June, July, and we'll talk Any, further about it. I want to see if you can do it successfully, you're a better like man than potting me. Potting soil, something like that, versus just regular soil. I don't know that the soil is going to make much difference. They live in the woods, you know, try to mimic the woodsy kind of dirt that they're used to in the woods. Shady type area? No, I think usually they would like some morning sun and afternoon shade. Okay. Give us some direct sunshine in the morning. I think it'll be happier that way. All right. All right. Okay, we'll try it and see. July, we'll talk again. You can come by and see it. All right, Mark. Hey, man, thanks for calling. All right, thank you. State 13, we got uh, Karen on the line. Karen is Livonia, and she calls in the morning this to the Lawn and Garden Show. Hey, Karen. Hello. Hi. I have a magnolia that the last ice storm broke, and the top limbs are broken. Is there any way I can save the tree? It's not going to die. It's just going to look sort of funky <laughs> after the. <laughs> after the pretty. <laughs> yeah. Can you climb the tree? Is it tall enough that you could? Yeah, it's like 18 feet tall. It's not very tall. I will leave it up to you to assure me that there's safe ways of climbing up in that tree. But bottom line, you could possibly just leave the limbs where they are. Eventually, they're going to rot and fall out. Uh-huh. If you want to make it look a little bit prettier, get on the ladder, have someone assisting, of course, and cut out all the branches that are shattered and cracked and leaving stubs or anything like that. You don't want stubs at the top of the tree. Uh-huh. But you're certainly not going to, the magnolia is not going to die from ice damage, no. Okay. Thank you. All right. Go to it. But again, the most important tool that you have is somebody with 911 on their telephone (laughs) in case case somebody falls out of that magnolia tree with the Big Bang. Okay. I'll be careful. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Karen. We'll see you. 14 minutes past 8 o'clock. we got Sean. He's out in Houston, Georgia. I'm one of the few people in the world that knows. Don't people always say, how do you spell that Houston name? Where are you from, Sean? (laughs) It's in uh, Houston. Houston, exactly. Yeah. Everybody knows that. should know that. Houston, Georgia. Yeah. All right. How can I help the people in Houston, Georgia, Sean? Well, I have a line of five bushes that died. They didn't all die at once. They kind of just, over the past year, they started dying off. All right. And I want to replace them. Is it too cold today to go ahead and dig them up and replace them with something more? 
It's too cold for me. It may not be too cold for you or the shrubs. Well, I'm just saying it's hard for the plants to survive if I put new plants in the ground. They will be perfectly happy. <laughs> the only time that we generally say don't plant anything of, when it's cold outside is when the ground is frozen. And you can okay. count on one hand the number of times it's been frozen in the <clears throat> last 10 or 15 years. So yeah. if you want to today, sure, the plants are going to be fine. There's not any frozen ground, to my knowledge, except way up in the mountains right now. So I think in Houston, you're just fine to plant anything you feel like planting. Uh, and do you have any suggestions for replacing? Because I have no idea what they are. Uh, uh, the yard gets about half a day of sun, yeah. full sun. So, so you're asking me, can I identify the shrubs for you? No, I'm asking if you have any suggestions of putting anything in there. Uh, I'll take a stab at it. How tall, how wide? Give me some dimensions you need. Uh, these bushes are about, I guess, um, I guess, I guess, uh, tall two as or you three are? feet wide or round. Uh -huh. there, there's five of them, I mean, in a line. And some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller. But How tall do you want them to be? The ones I'm looking at right now are about, about a six feet round, and, um, or maybe three feet round. All right, I'll tell you what, here's a couple that I would suggest. One, if you want just columnar greenery, evergreen, all year long, it's called emerald green arborvitae. That's a columnar evergreen needle plant. If you need a shrub that's more round, more like a you know more like a ball than anything else, dwarf Burford holly, tough, easy to plant, grows fast, takes about uh, three years to get to six, seven feet, I guess. So the uh, the arborvitae and the dwarf Burford holly are two selections you could try. If you want to see others, I've got a resource for you on my website. Just go to WalterReeves.com and type in. Let me see what will get you there the fastest. There's a University of Georgia booklet that I have reproduced on my website called Landscape Plant Materials for Georgia, and I don't think you'll find that very easily. Maybe type the word materials or landscape materials or landscape plants in my search line and take you there, or better yet, call your local extension office and they'll be glad to tell you more about it or even mail you a printed copy if you want to. And by the way, I need to mention this. If you ever have a question you think a master gardener or an extension agent from the University of Georgia would be better to answer, their number is easy to remember. Works this way everywhere in Georgia. It's 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. 1-800-ASK-UGA and the number 1. You dial that number even on the weekends. They'll have a voicemail message system and they'll pick it up Monday morning and call you back and let you know what you, what you need. So 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 is what gets you in to talk to Master Gardeners if you'd rather not talk to me. And if you go to WalterReeves.com, you can follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook. I usually have two or three posts during the week about things that are interesting or things that I think everyone should know. This past week, for instance, I uh, posted the, uh, the note about Pike Nursery having their big job fair. They're hiring 300, 350, it sounds like, people they need to work in their nursery in the springtime. And if you've ever thought, hey, I would like to work at a nursery, I would like to try my skills out and help people, then you can go to the the PikeNursery.com uh, website and get more details about that. We'll talk to Mickey Gazaway in just a minute and find out if she has something to add to that. It's 818, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 
Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, once we get up into the 50s, it's not going to get very far away from it. Today, the afternoon high in the mid-50s and the nighttime low in the low 50s. Rain coming in, of course, if you look at the radar right now, you can see it coming in from Alabama. It'll be here by mid-afternoon and later. So if you want to get a little bit of gardening work done, you could do it this morning, maybe a little bit earlier in the afternoon before the rain gets here. At 824, Sandy is in Snellville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Sandy, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? Come out and weed my garden. Yeah. Other than that, I've got all kinds of little spring weeds because I didn't put out preventer yeah, yeah. coming up in daffodils. Is there something I can overspray with that won't hurt the daffodils? Mm, Bazagran, B-A-S-A-G-R-A-N, I think is labeled for use in flowering bulbs to kill or con- control broadleaf plants. But you're going to have to find that. I see that occasionally, B-A-S-A-G-R-A-N, Bassagran. I see it sometimes at hardware stores. I don't think I've ever seen it at Pike. You can buy it online if you want to, but read the label and see if I'm right. I think it's labeled for use on flowering bulbs. That sounds awesome. I've never heard of it. B-A-S-A-G-R-A-N. It's an old uh, sethoxidem. That's another one. Post, P-O-A-S-T. Two words, two different products, but one and the other, maybe both of them, are labeled for use in ornamentals, and you'll be responsible for our post. Bassagran or post. Look online and see if either one of them are available somehow. I will see about that today. All right. Thank you so much. Good talking to you, Sandy. Thanks for calling. Bye. Comes now, brother Eric from Cumming, Georgia. Eric, hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Eric. How can I help? Um, I want to find out. uh, I've traveled so much over the last few months i didn't get a chance to put any pre-emergent down even in the fall yeah so, did i miss the window for pre-emergent for this year yes <laughs> you miss it for control of winter weeds yeah but okay. there's all the chance if you have summer weeds the crabgrass and goosegrass and dallas grass and some of the summer weeds the application time for that is really the first of march middle of march maybe so you haven't missed the summer weed war but okay. all the winter weeds have sprouted and they're long growing been there for a while well i didn't seem to have too much trouble so far with the winter weeds so i'll uh, i'll target summer maybe the first week of march sure. put it down sure 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 um, now, if, I'll, I'll on the other hand, the if you want to control right. some of the weeds that are present right now, um, there are hose-in sprayers, and I use myself on one of the Bayer products, Bayer Season-Long Weed Control. There's also OrthoMax that works real well with Quinclorac in it. So if you have weeds now in your in your lawn, read the label on the Ortho Weed Be Gone Max. Weed the label on the uh, Bayer uh, Season-Long Weed Control to see if they can be used at this particular time when it's dormant and control some of the grassy weeds, the poa annua, and maybe a little bit of chickweed and clover and things like that. But do read the label. That's important. And uh, we have to be real careful putting in uh, herbicides when grass is dormant and the weeds are growing to make sure we don't hurt the grass later on in the year. It's 827, almost 828 at News Talk WSB. One more hour, half hour, I should say, of Lawn and Garden. Mickey Gasway will be with us at 835. Right now, you're listening to Lawn and Garden. See you right after news. Night after night, my my heart beating shows the fear Ghosts appear and fade away It's the law
Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 836, 33 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you care to do in your landscape and answering questions about how to do it better at 404-872-0750. One of the ways that I learned to do better things is talking to my friend Mickey Gazaway from Pike Nursery. Absolutely. Mickey, hey, good morning. Walter, how are you? You don't know how much I respect the knowledge that you bring to this show every oh, Saturday morning. Gee, you are so sweet. Well, it's just true. You've been mm-hmm. in places that I haven't been in before, and I like to have the explorers report back and tell me about their plants and what they've done Thank and you. all Thank that kind you. of stuff. I learn from you. That's well, how I learn every every Saturday. I think all of a gar- one of the things about the gardening community, the larger gardening community, is we're always sharing, you know, saying tips or you know, oh, sharing successes as yeah. well as failures. And That's right. Part of it. All right. So one of the successes we have is that Pike Nursery got, every weekend does a plant or a material that's twenty percent off the Pike Pick of the weekend, and Mickey is in charge of it and gets to tell us what it is. So what is our Pike Pick this weekend? It's gar- Garden seed and seed starter soil. 20% off? That's right. 20% off. And, you know, this is, if we're almost, I usually try to get mine in around the 1st of March. Yeah. Some people do it a little bit earlier, but I don't like to get it too early because I don't want them to stretch out. But um, that's when I put my seeds in it, and that's something I look forward to every year. So if I love you, it. So if you want to have seeds for your vegetable garden to sprout mm-hmm. and be ready to plant them, now's the time, 20% off. Get the soil stuff that you can use in the in the soil as well as garden seeds, though. And this is re- You're right. It's that's not right. And, and flower seeds, whatever you want to do, this is the time to do it. And if you need other sort of material, that would be the light. I, light is really important yes, for those little seedlings. Sure, uh, be sure and tell them. I tried to find it on your website this morning because I was going, and I, I didn't know what to look under. I think the letters P, uh, PVC because I PVC. remember the title says PVC light lamp or light okay. thinger holder thinger uh, that has the has the description of how to build that little PVC. Dan built me thing. one for uh, Valentine's Day what a several nice guy. years ago, and I always think of you. I think of you and him both when I, we put it we put it up every year. And it's, I told him the other day, it's time to get, we call it a swing set because it looks like a little <laughs> swing set. And I say, it's time to put up the swing set. So, And that really has made a difference because you have the light right on top of exactly. it. And, I, and my plants look great when I get through. Do you ever use a soil warmer or soil mat? I don't. I can remember my daddy used to put them on top of the refrigerator, but <laughs> right. I don't think refrigerators get warm anymore. No, I don't. I know some people do. I know... It was a use. He used a, a, a blanket, an electric blanket yeah, from his bed yeah, that he yeah. folded up, put in a uh, plastic bag to protect it from the water. And he said that was great. Kept well, that's a good idea. I, I suggest that one time. And Stan said we were going to set the house on fire, so we didn't do it. <laughs> that's Stan. He goes good yeah, Valentine's presents, but he and worries. And I tell you, he's got the oldest clothes around. How old are way. Stan's clothes? Well, Stan used to have to wear a suit every day for a hundred years, right. and um, once he retired the first time he wears a suit to church and on you know to funerals that's it (laughs) and um he's got suits that he had back in probably the 80s man (laughs) oh man oh man (laughs) wide lapels double breasted (laughs) 
<laughs> he was shocked. Like, you don't even notice it. You know, he said, when you get our age, nobody knows. <laughs> and I've got, I gave my granddaughter my Olympic sweatshirt. <laughs> okay. 96. <laughs> so okay. So that's 18 right. years uh, ago. Other thing I wanted to tell you about was um, next week we're going to have our shade gardening seminar Great. next Saturday. We don't have one this Saturday. And also, did you mention the job fair? I did mention it once. Let's say it again. Pike is hiring 300 people, and one of our listeners, more than, more than one of our listeners, probably would like to work for Pike, just like Mickey does. It's absolutely the best place in the whole world to work, I tell you. It makes my heart sing when I go in there every morning. But anyway, I hope that'll be true for some other people. So on February the 25th from 3 to 6, uh, the shade gardening next week. And also, I meant to tell you that um, to... They're not on sale, but when you look at your the garden seed, look at the little greenhouse things. I don't know oh, what yeah. called, and also the little peat pellets. Those are great too. That's what I use. Little kits that you can yeah. buy right beside yeah. the garden seed. You'll see it at Pike. Easy yeah. to see. That's it. All right. So we would find information about not only the Pike Pick. We'd learn about locations. We'd learn about the job fair. We'd learn about the classes next Saturday. And where would we find all this information, Mickey? At PikeNursery.com. Absolutely. Tell Scan I said, hey, and he's still a great guy and gives great Valentine. He does. All Thank right, what you. What a sweetie. Thanks for calling, Mickey. Bye. 404-872-0750. Get you in on Mickey's little slot in the line right there. Sharon right now comes to us from Commerce, Georgia. Hey, Sharon. Good morning. Hey. Hey. What's up? Um, during this ice storm, we had um, six wing elm trees that broke off some branches on it. Yeah. And one was about one by three foot, I mean, three inches wide. Wow. And it split off and close to, and there was no bar. And there was also a black spot on the trunk of it. Huh. First question is, is my elm going to live? Oh, and, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Elms and are, the black spot, is that some kind of a fungus? Or? I doubt it. It could be scale that have put some honeydew there, and so it's the black sooty mold is growing on it. I mean, bottom line, you haven't told me anything that worries me in the least about elm trees. They have broken branches in the wintertime. You should clean it up, take a sharp saw, and just saw off the uh, shattered wood. If you're going to leave a stub, then try not to do that. Try to go ahead and take the whole limb out and don't leave a stub on it. Um, the black spot, eh, tell you what, if you want to send me a picture of it, you can do that, Sharon. You could send one at WalterReeves.com where it says contact Walter and you'll see my email address there and just attach the picture and let me see what it is because I can't think of much else that, other than maybe scale that would leave black patches on the bark of a tree, but send me a picture. I'll be better off to diagnose it that way, okay? You got to go, though. It's 842. William is in Jefferson, Georgia, just around the corner, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, William, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Fabulous. How can I help? I was wanting to know, I'm wanting to plant uh, two or three trees in my backyard, and yeah. we want them to be fruit trees, so okay. we could maybe you know put up some preserves or any kind of eating. And I wanted to know, what were the best to grow around the area? Uh, kind of one of the easiest, honestly, um, and just what would do the best. Apples and pears will do pretty well without a lot of spraying, but you got to always remember that if you have bad sanitation, and what that means is, is that if you don't replace mulch every year, if you don't pick up the diseased fruits that fall out of the tree and discard them, if you don't do a little judicious pruning to get good air circulation through the tree, even apples and pears can be a real problem because they get bugs and diseases that come as a result of poor sanitation. Right. So that's two. Apple, pear would be that. My, I would not 
recommend peaches, plums, or um, nectarines or any of those because they just need spraying every week or two, it seems like. There's too much trouble, too much trouble yeah, for our, me to mess with. Yeah, our peaches get about the size of golf ball every year and then worms and yeah, fall off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, figs. Figs are very rarely going to have uh, bugs or disease on them. If you have room for a mm, 15 feet wide, 15 feet tall plant, figs are okay. awesome. Never need any any spraying on them. I have had pretty good success with uh, raspberries and blackberries. Not bad there. And again, they make great preserves. That's fabulous. They stick you when you try to try to harvest the fruit, but blackberries and raspberries are a suggestion. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Tell you what, because you're my friend now, I can tell you, William, that if you go to my website and just type in one word, apple or raspberry or pear, you'll get the whole articles that I've written about the fruits and what's the spray schedule for them if they need it and you know how to harvest and when to harvest and all that kind of stuff. Right. So go to WalterReeves.com and see if that is not helpful to you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Great talking to you, William. Thanks for calling. 44 minutes past the hour. We got Diane in Alpharetta. Diane joins us. Hey, Diane, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fabulous. How can I help? I have an almond tree that I've had for about five years, and it finally blossomed in January. It's right. full of blossoms. So I'm wondering is this cold weather going to prevent me from getting almonds? And do you think it's a self pollinating tree? Let me ask you this, Diane. As you drive around Atlanta, do you see many almond trees or almonds being sold at <laughs> farmers markets or in these? You don't. No, I haven't. <laughs> you don't. I'll answer your question for you. No, you don't see many almonds growing here because they are so enormously sensitive to the warm cold cycle during the wintertime. And the first time they get a little warm weather after they had some cold, they'll bloom. Whether it's mid-January, mid-December, early February, almond tree doesn't care. Almond thinks things are good and it needs to bloom. And of course, the freeze comes inevitably and freezes off the flowers and that's the end of the story. So, almond trees, I know people who have ornamental flowering almonds, they look fine, but I don't think you should ever expect to get an almond from your almond tree, Diane. Okay, I am very disappointed because I've been waiting a long time for this. Well, I think you're going to wait a little longer then. <laughs> In California, and you know California's got those enormous olive, uh, almond groves up and down the coast, and they just have a very moderate environment, one that doesn't cycle so tremendously between cold and warm, and the almonds there grow fabulously well. They harvest them, the whole world basically gets their almonds from California. But in Georgia, no, 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 no. We're not going to have much of an almond crop here. All right. Well, I appreciate the information. Right. Maybe things will turn around. If they do, I'll give you a call. You do you that. Know. If you get an almond off that almond tree, I want to be the first to know. All right. All right. Thanks, Walter. Have a good weekend. You bet, Diane. Thanks for calling. Uh -huh. And we got time for Susan in Lawrenceville to come in. Hey, Susan. Hey, good morning. Hey, Walter. How can I help? I am wanting to put in some raised beds. And um, I'm wondering two things about that. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about pressure-treated wood for them? Yeah. And the other thing is um, I have experience in my yard in planting root crops, sweet potatoes and things, Good. and having them eaten. Huh. Uh, I guess that would be voles. Voles, yep. That's exactly and what And so is. I'm wondering how to keep critters out from getting it, you know, through the bottom. Gener I mean, moles, as we know, moles eat insects and worms and grubs and things like that. 
So the moles don't attack your sweet potatoes and root crops and such. Voles, as you correctly pointed out, V-O-L-E, the vole, the little metamice, are very commonly going to eat some sweet potatoes and carrots and stuff like that. The easiest way for vole control, if that's your worry, is uh, mousetraps. Get a mousetrap, bait it with peanut butter, get seven or eight of them and bait it with peanut butter, and scatter them around the garden with a cardboard box or a plastic pot over them so the rain doesn't wash the peanut butter off, and you'll cat capture three, four, five in a week, and that'll uh-huh. be the end of the vole population eating your sweet potatoes. Okay. Okay, but from moles... So there's no need to put down something like a hardware cloth or a... I don't think so. I'm talking so. about underneath the, you know, before you nah, fill them up. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Voles don't tunnel very well. They tunnel right beside a plant to get down to the sweet part of the stem and the root, but they don't make long tunnels like a mole does. Not at all. Uh-huh. And and as far as the uh, lumber to make it out of? I have no problem using the current kind of pressure-treated wood. And I think you can look online, and you know, oftentimes you find people that are sort of crazy about certain subjects, but there are very few, if I am not mistaken, very few objections to the current kinds of pressure-treated wood. There, uh, Let's see, there's micronized copper that the yellow wood people, I think, is who uses that, and then there's uh, ammoniated, chromated, something or other stuff is ACQ wood. But if you go on my website, just type pressure-treated wood, I'd give a sort of a, I guess, a description of the old kind, which everybody did not like because it seemed to re- release arsenic into the soil. And the new kinds of pressure-treated wood that have been in for the last 10 or 15 years seem to have no objection from any of the environmental folks at all. And so, frankly, bottom line, I don't have any problem using pressure-treated wood for raised beds. It doesn't, doesn't seem to have any health effects that I can find. i got to get out of here. Oh, my goodness, it's 849, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, it's cold this morning, but it's going to reach into the mid-50s this afternoon. And it'll stay there pretty much for the day. The rain comes through and doesn't drop it more than a few degrees. It'll down to the low 50s this evening and overnight. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Mark, I think if you can say your question really quick, we can get you in here. Hey, Mark, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can uh, I help? I have a quince tree, and I used to have three, and it used to produce a lot of quince. Mm-hmm. I saw a flowering quince at one of the local garden stores. Would that be a good pollinator for it? No. They okay. don't. Quince, the Cydonia oblongata, the real fruiting quince, is pretty well self-fertile. So it pollinates itself. Sometimes you get a little better bearing from them if you have another fruiting quince nearby. But the flowering quince you see at the garden center, different species, no, they don't pollinate the uh, fruiting quince. Okay, thank you. No. Uh, also, I just, um, the guy called earlier about some plants to plant in, in the area. And yeah. I've had a lot of luck with the quince blueberries and uh, pawpaws. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, pawpaws, blueberries would have done. I forgot to do the blueberries for them. That was a good good idea. And quince, certainly. Quince are a great tree, sort of sour stuff, but they're good good plants to plant as well. Thanks to Ashley Fraska and Scott Maxson for making the morning so enjoyable wearing their old clothes to the radio show. Next Saturday, we'll see if we can wear some newer clothes to the show. We'll see you then.